Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, with Peter Marsh again, as usual. Hello, Peter. Hi, Russ. We have the Andes back of the Not and Bravery Varieties. Hello, Andes. How are you? Good evening. Excellent. And we have a fifth member of our panel tonight. Um, it's a mate of mine, and he's a Spurs fan. So he'll be giving us his views on the upcoming match this coming weekend. Um, it's Ollie Goda. Hello, Ollie. How are you? Hi, Russ. Good. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Excellent, and I am um, on a bounds to mention it. I'm absolutely delighted to see you're having a sauna while you're speaking to us. <laughs> yeah, it's a very old laptop, in fact, where the camera is quite blurry. But yeah, at least it makes me look warm, but I don't feel it. Yeah. Multitasking, it's all right, not bad. <laughs> well, in this episode, we're going to talk about the magnificent thrashing that we administered to West Brom. No, hang on a minute, we didn't quite manage it, did we? Okay, well, we'll, we'll be just dissecting them. The, the bad, the good, if there is any, and the ugly of that one. We'll also go through a bit of the general footy news, and we'll get all these views on the Spurs game upcoming and the rest of the boys. Um, so let's start, as we mean to go on, with a bit of a moan, I think, although maybe not 100%. Let's find out. Um, it's the West Brom game. Um, so we lined up pretty much as we did in the previous match. Obviously, Dunk had to come out due to his suspension. Veltman slotted in there. White played in defensive mid again. And the rest of it kind of speaks for itself pretty much. Um, in terms of the match, well, I mean, guys, first of all, a, a brief overview. Um, what did you make of it? It's a one-all draw, very disappointing result, but should we be angry with it? Peter? I think frustrated more than angry. I think we, um, to be honest, I, I did, wasn't happy with the starting eleven. I didn't think we picked the right team. Um, I thought we were too. We had, like, I know White was playing midfield, but we had too many defenders on the pitch for a game where we should be looking to get a win. Um, he should have started Del Sarte, maybe Connolly as well. In my opinion, that was. I mean, I did say that before the game as well. It's not just hindsight saying that. Um, mm. In fairness, first half we controlled it. I thought pretty much it was pretty ordinary first twenty minutes, but then until the goal after that, we were all over them. Although only actually managed to score a goal from them, basically making a massive cock up. Um, but then 
what frustrated me, and I'll let other people talk about the second half, is we basically immediately ceded territory to them. And they, the last five minutes of the half after we scored, they were on top and looking, you know, we held on to half time. But as so often happens when we score, we seem to lose our way a bit when actually it should be the other way around. We should be going for, the, going for it and trying to get a second or something. But we seem to immediately cede possession. And yeah, the least said about the second half, the better, personally. Okay, well, Andy B, making your second successive appearance on the show. I'll, I'll get you into the action next. Um, what, what do you make of it? For me, I mean, I agree. I agree with Pete. I thought Alzati was going to start. I thought he was going to be much more um, attack-minded in that sense. Um, I didn't think White had a bad game, but it certainly um, it seemed a bit too negative for the start of the game. Hmm. The first half we did dominate. I thought. I thought. Is the best I've seen of Lalana as well in terms of playing between the, the lines and creating. I just wish he'd taken a shot rather than pass it to Morpay. Although I think yeah. I think when I looked at the um, when I looked at it on the replay, I think we have to give the, the goalkeeper some credit as well for that. And then second half, I mean, he goes off at about an hour, and then after that, we just couldn't get the ball to stick up front. We just couldn't hold on to the ball and build anything or get any momentum. And what what surprised me a little bit was that. Even with the changes, we never seemed to be able to. We we just didn't seem to get a, get a hold into the game at all. Second half, um, we hardly created a chance, and really they just kind of outplayed us for forty five minutes. Um, and if their finishing had been better, we we would have probably lost. So I was disappointed from that point of view. Yeah, I certainly agree about the sub. We'll probably get into that in more detail later on as well, actually. But um, Andy K, uh, your take on matters. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with what's been said so far. Um, what can I add to it? Um, I thought we looked pretty good in the first half. Um, uh, I certainly agree that this was Lalana's best game, and it kind of followed on from his previous best game. Um, there are people complaining about him being taken off, but. Um, I'm probably of the view that if we can get an hour out in the game such that we get him to play every game, then I, I can kind of take that, particularly if he's kind of performing at, at those levels. Um, I've, unlike Peter, perhaps a little bit, um, I thought the formation worked really, really well in the first half. Um, it was about getting the ball through threading it through to kind of Lalana and Trossard. Um, and although Trossard um, wasn't quite as lively. He did have a couple of decent shots, um, and it, you know both of them find pockets of space. The the amount of distance and kind of intensive sprinting that Lalana does, I think, is really really impressive. But despite um, all of that in the first half, um, it's the usual thing. Uh, we didn't quite carve out enough opportunities. Uh, and when they came, we didn't finish them. Um, and is absolutely spot on in terms of that Mopé finish. Um, I I think um, Lilana still thinks that his plan with uh, um, Salah and Mane and so forth. So he lays it off to someone who's in a slightly better position, uh, expecting them to score. And of course, they would score if they were playing for Liverpool. But mm. Mopé didn't. I mean, Mopa hit it well. He, he, it was going in towards the corner. It was just a cracking save. But what Salah or Mane would have done is that they would have lifted it such that um, they had no chance of saving it. And um, 
you know, I'm I'm a fan of Mope, but he's he was really poor last night. What Andy was saying about um, the ball not sticking in the second half, um, you know, that was mostly him uh, not holding up the ball, um, which he can do. We've seen him do it an awful lot, um, and yeah, I suppose. I mean, the only thing I'll kind of request um inquire really is to what extent do you want to try and dissect what went on in the second half because we were just passive um uh and positionally we didn't get in a position to uh, um make space for passes and so forth um and all the second balls went to their players because positionally we weren't there yeah, I think um, you made them look really good, which they're obviously not, basically. Yes. Kind of. No, no, I, I completely agree with you. I, and, and from about the kind of fifth minute of the second half, I was actually getting frustrated. And I think I've gone slightly beyond you. I'm slightly angry about what went on in the second half. Uh, and we'll note that the kind of questions about Potter are very much kind of, well, there are more and more people that are, uh, um, raising questions about Potter. Um, what is it? Four wins in 24? Or is it 26? Um, Russell's good at stats. Over mm, to you. Not, not sure on that one. I'm not sure, but it's something around that, isn't it? Um, not great overall. I mean, my take, I mean, I look at the game back, I, I listened on BBC Sussex, and I think pretty much our views are shared by what uh, what those guys were saying as the game was unfolding. Um, looking back at the first half, I thought the first 10 minutes were a bit flat. Lallana and White stood out with some tidy cover play, but nothing much more besides. Kravinovic had the only notable attempt. A um, couple of bits on Jonathan Moss. I will have a moan about refs, just because you're on Andy Kay. I know you love it. Um, just a couple of points as it's small details, because it wasn't a big issue, but Moss ignored a clear foul by Conor Gallagher on Trossard um, in the 10th minute. And in the 18th, he ignored a second more blatant foul, this time by Livermore and Lallana, forearm raised aggressively to, te- uh, to the chest by the touchline. Later on in the half, if I can find the note I'd made, um, Moss was that then live more on Lampsy one. Uh, yeah, that was the one one complaint I've got the second half on when he basically held on to him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was that was an additional one. Yeah, I was going to come to that after. Yeah, there was that as well. So there was a, I suppose you could call him consistent, but he consistently ignored um, decisions that should have gone our way. Um, and yet, I think there was a. Free- you know me, I'm very happy to blame the referee, but I, I don't mm. think you can blame the referee for what happened last night in any way. No, not at all. I just thought I'd throw it in there for Andy's benefit. <laughs> but he, he did make a few aggravating decisions, which didn't help. But overall, I mean, Dean Garner time to run into the box, didn't he? Um, I thought Adam Webster, who we mentioned, might have been doing a bit of ball watching in previous games, looked to have done the same. I think it was his responsibility to pick up Dean Garner. Luckily, heavy touch took him wide. Um, danger snuffed out. Yeah, I thought he was miles offside there initially on the first view, and he was not yeah. even close to offside. Yeah, because we didn't have the right view from the camera, yeah. did we? We saw the replay. He wasn't even um, it was a perfectly timed run. Yeah, and in the 15th minute, there was a ball spread nicely out wide to Lamptey, cross-headed away by um, a solid brush, a loose ball to Lalana Central, just outside the box. Lamptey received it wide and wriggled free some space, laid it off to White, started a 1-2 with Lalana. However, Lalana opted to chip it in for more play, and he was offside. Um, well-taken goal on the volley. But um, that's the only time he buried it, unfortunately. Yeah, he was quite there, though. He was, he well, was well, offside. Off, well offside, yeah. Yeah, so no complaints on that one. And we had about 50-50% possession at the time. Um, I think it was Basuma committing the same foul on Pereira 
as the ones I described earlier. Moss gives a free kick to them and outside the area. Could have been dangerous. Um, and then there were some other bits and pieces. Albion build, building from the back um, for the, the save that Andy mentioned. I thought that was a good move. And I think I mean, he was criticised on the commentary I was listening to. But um, I thought, actually, it was a decent effort. Maybe not world-class effort, but it, it was a bit unlucky not to um, score there. The goalie was leaning right, wasn't he? And had to stick his foot out with his left. Um, so a pretty decent save You're overall. Pretty striker with four and five this season to have scored that, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then as the game, uh, the half wore on, lots of soft possession, I would call it really, just basically um, controlling the possession, doing not much with it, um, looking comfortable, but not being uh, really very pressing. Um, and, you know, just generally some silky touches from Lalana, but um, nothing much more besides until we got the goal um, in the 40th minute which was actually pretty good build-up. It was burned with some good play, I think, to work himself some room and shuffling past a couple of players. Laid it off to the left flank for the advancing Trossard, who checked back, crossed in to the right um, with his right foot. It's Lamptey, who was in the box, who won a header versus Diangano, we should mention at this point as well, <laughs> which is brilliant. Um, and that fed Lalana, whose first-time shot was um, actually a decent one. Looked like it was travelling just inside the post, uh, blocked by the West Brom number six, um, Lamptey then squared the loose ball back across to the right and so ensued the Keystone Cops moment um, involving Ivanovic uh, playing Livermore's face in for an easy finish. I do know it wasn't quite his face, but it wouldn't be so funny if I said upper chest, would it? <laughs> um, a bit of a comedy own goal, a bit unlucky, to be fair. Um, but that was basically... Morpay, Morpay was behind though, wasn't he? He was behind them. Mm. So I think, I think when he clears it, he knows that he's behind him, so he's got to do something with the ball, but yeah. Yeah, luckily for in the goal. Yeah, so I mean, the, the only other thing with the first half was to say, and um, Lamptey collected his second yellow of the season for what that's worth. Maybe a problem later down the line. It was, I think, thoroughly deserved. And the other thing was the first half stats as Sky presented them just before half time said fifty nine percent possession to us, four shots v three, three on target v one, all three of the game's corners so far, and ten touches in opposition box versus their four plus of course the vital one nil. Um, so first half, all in all, could have been better, but ultimately we got the goal and we were in a good position. So what, what particularly do you think went wrong with that half? We've mentioned standing off them and we've mentioned the sub. For me, I think Graham does have to take a lot of the blame in this game. I'm not happy. I'm, I think it's unacceptable that we don't get a win in this game. And I think it is very heavily due, due to that substitution. I think I don't know if Lallana needed to come off whether it's wise to bring him off on 60, as Andy Kay has said, or whether he was carrying something we don't know about, or whether it's prescribed and we needed to, to, you know, to, to measure it out, um, to give him some time uh, to rest. But ultimately, when we changed it up and we put Gross on, if we're not going to put, um, if you do have to bring him off, you've got to put on someone like McAllister, like for like. If you put on Gross, you change the dynamic. And for me, we were then shuffling around, trying to recover from the effects of that substitution. Um, ultimately leading to us not being able to put on a striker that we probably would have liked to have done with our, our third choice. I, I, what do you guys think of that? Would you agree with that? I think I, it... Oh, I, I mean, I, I would certainly agree that um, Grosh was a, a strange choice to bring on in place of Lallana. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to um, have a go at Post for taking Lallana off because I suspect... Uh, um, they're just trying to manage him effectively. But um, Grosh was really, really poor. Um, he didn't do anything 
football game. I think part of what it was, was um, I don't actually see the substitution as the turning point. I think, um, I mean, Peter's identified our score and the goal. Um, I think you're probably right that um, we did begin to let them back in the game then, but uh, you can kind of accept that as you, you're protecting the one nil lead. You want to take that into half time. The way we came out in the second half, I just thought we, we were just so passive. We, um, it was all um, somebody I think said on North Stand chat that it was almost as if um, Chris Hewton had done the half time team talk. Um, and uh, what was happening increasingly. Um, was that we were getting absolutely murdered down our our right-hand side by their, their left-hand side. All their attacks were coming down that side. Um, and I think that might have been part of the reason that he chose to bring grass on. But, you know, or, or none of the substitutions really worked. So, I mean, McAllister had a few nice touches. Um, I can see why I brought Alzate on to try and hold on to the ball and kind of, I think that probably amplifies Peter's point about the original team selection um, because, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were just dreadful. Um, I think there are all sorts of changes of formation going on in the second half. Um, uh, I know Robin isn't happy with White playing in um, kind of defensive central midfield. I think while he's played there, he's, he's kind of done a right I didn't think he was the worst player last night but I also think that he did um, actually move out of that um, defensive central midfield player uh, uh, position um, in the second half but I can't tell you precisely what was going on with the formations in the second half because no, I agree um, a bit all over the place there yeah. yeah I think to me the, the first substitution although it didn't in work in work wasn't the mistake the second mis- the mistake was bringing McAllister off on as well because he and Grosh play in not just dissimilar areas. They don't you know. They're both notionally attacking midfielders. Neither of them are that quick. Neither of them offer that something that different. And so you basically limited your options by bringing on two players who are looking to play in similar areas in a lot of ways. And so we, what actually we need to do was bring on Alzate and bring on a striker instead of Malpe, who it wasn't working for last night. Whereas actually we were left with the option of one or the other. And I actually think he probably was right to bring Alzate on because we needed some control in the middle of the park. We weren't getting that. Again, the fact it didn't work doesn't mean it wasn't the right decision at the time. But yeah. When Alzate came on, he was playing quite high up the pitch, wasn't he? Which yeah. he doesn't normally do. He, he normally is the kind of fulcrum, the kind of pivot. Um, yeah. But I do come back to the... I, I do think we start with the wrong team. I, I agree we looked okay in the first half, but West Brom were there for the taking. We should have had a go at them. And instead, we just, we managed to get one nil up, having controlled it. But we weren't exactly brilliant in the first half. We were decent, but not hmm. not brilliant. But if we'd started with a more attacking team, we might have given them a you know yeah. kind of a good chance of building on a on a lead if we got one rather than doing what we did. Yeah, I yeah. I was just going to say. I, I mean, I think the the fact we didn't play Alzate, I thought we looked a little bit more laboured and uh, didn't run the ball route through the middle as much as we could have done in the first half. The second half, I think when, when Gross came on, I think it started off like it was a like-for-like um, change with Lalana. But then, he, I mean, maybe I'd have a different view if I was at the ground watching it live. But he seemed like he was all over the place. And at the end, he's playing what looks like a holding midfield position. And I wasn't really sure where Alzati was then playing. And it looked to me, it just looked all a bit confused. And, it, and actually, 
it was on. I was unlike Potter. I mean, you'd expect second half when he makes the changes, he'd be going for the win. I and mean, we didn't really create. We just didn't create anything. We didn't mm -hmm. even. You know, we, we just didn't. We just looked like we we didn't know what we were doing, and we were all at sea. I mean, I know he's kind of portraying it in the press as if basically what we've had is so far this season we've had forty five dreadful minutes, you know, mm -hmm. over the whole season so far. But it it was just it just looked a bit clueless to me. And I, and I, and um. In some ways, it reminded me a little bit of when we played Sheffield United last season, where he makes three changes quite early in the second half, but they don't really know. They don't look like they know what they're supposed to be doing, and it felt a bit like that last night. And actually, we just completely lost our shape. And I mean, for the goal, I don't, I don't, I can't work out whether Byrne was out of position or not, really. But he was sucked into the midfield, and the ball goes to where to, to where he where he was supposed to be playing. I mean, I think that um, Webster gets a... Uh, unluckily, he, get, he actually gets a touch to it, which plays it towards their striker. But I couldn't work out whether the striker was going to get the ball anyway. We just looked like we were a bit all out at sea. And I just wonder if he kept... If he changed like for like and kept the shape, we might have been able to see the game out. But as mm. it was, we didn't. Yeah. I hate to bring the R word in after six games, but football is full of teams who get relegated who have you know, play well against Man U and Chelsea, but end up with nothing and then drop their performance levels for games like West Brom, even if it's just for a half when they should be winning it and don't win it. And it's like, and that's what frustrates me. And, I, and it doesn't feel, if it was, I think I fell after the Chelsea game, if it was six games in to Potter's time in charge, I'd be forgiving him a lot more, but he's had over a season to work on this stuff. Yeah. Still having the same issues as we were a year ago. I mean, I'm not yeah. advocating, I don't think it's any suggestion he should be going or anything like that, but, there have to be questions asked, I think. I mean, yeah, I, did, I, I just want one other thing. I mean, I, I think you're right, Pete. I mean, I, I felt before last night's game that these were the kind of games that if we weren't going to finish in that kind of bottom six league again, we needed to get a clear result, you know, and, and win like two mm -hmm. or three one. And it just didn't happen. And it just makes you feel like we're going to be, we're going to, at the moment at least, it feels like we're going to be back down there again because, because the games that we need to win we end up drawing and then and then we like you say other games that we do really well we're really plucky Brighton but actually we still end up getting beat 3-2 or 3-1 yeah we've mentioned it before but you know we've, we haven't got results we've deserved we have got results we've deserved but we haven't got any uh, results that we didn't deserve and um, you know ultimately if you're going to then start dropping points to West Brom with the greatest respect to them, he says, being disrespectful, they are a championship side. I watched them a few times last season. They're decent enough to get promoted. They deserve to get promoted. But they weren't the sort of team that impressed me in the way that actually Albion ourselves and um, Newcastle did in getting promoted in the way that Wolves did, in the way that Leeds did. Those sides I expected to stay up in the first season. West Brom and Fulham, I think it's as commonly held view anyway. People are generally assuming are going to go down because they don't really have Premier League attributes there uh, or transitional ones that you can imagine giving them enough to survive this season and off the back of not getting results we've deserved um, we needed to make sure we got a result we deserved tonight and uh, last night but we in the end we um, we got what we deserved which was a draw um, in the end I mean 50% possession each they had more shots three shots each on target by the end of the match and we conceded far more fouls as well. So those sort of stats don't lend themselves to a team that's dominated by the time we got to the full-time whistle. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I take a, a marginally different view to what was said. I mean, uh, on the previous podcast, it was asked whether it was a must-win game. Um, I never. I, I think there are very few must-win games um, when it comes down to it, and they tend to take place at the end of the season, um, mm -hmm. usually against your kind of relegation rivals, or uh, in the case of Tottenham, your top four, or top six rivals. Um, and I think we're about to come on to Tottenham. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, and I'm certainly not calling for relegation uh, sorry um potter to go um and i'm not more concerned about relegation after that i, I don't don't think you should react too much on the basis of of one thing i think mm. the things that are concerning are are what's consistent which is that um when we're on top we need to start killing Teams yeah. off, and we just don't do that. Absolutely, um, will be done for with, uh, you know if and when it happens because well, it probably will happen. We right, have we have one uh, win at home in twenty twenty. That is that is a consistent thing to be worried about, yeah. and a lot yeah. we, that included a lot of games like that against relegation rivals last season: Villa home, Watford home, where we didn't get the result we should have got because we we had times we were on top and we didn't take advantage of it, and we let in silly goals and. The theme is there. That's the worry, and it's they need to sort it out quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, for me, just final word on West Brom. For me, uh, this game and previous games, I think we've got three issues really seriously here. We we're not really, I don't think, taking the best advantage of opportunities we've had. Even though ironically we scored every game, um, it still doesn't feel like we are really making the best of our opportunities. I think our elements of game management still need to be improved, um, and I think. There's an, there's an irritation for me with lack of bite and attitude and, and edge to the team. We, we don't play, I'm not saying play dirty and play like Stoke, but we do need to have something with a, with a bit more edge to us in certain parts of the field, in certain moments of the game where, you know, you, you've just got to play, you've just got to play it the other way others do. Maybe we've got to try some not simulation in the penalty box because I know Ollie will come to you in a minute but I know Ollie you love um, the simulation of certain certain Premier League players <coughs> Mohamed Salah um, <laughs> but you know it's um, but well we've got, we've got to have a question for himself on that front isn't he mm, yeah um, yeah. So yeah, that's true but I mean aside from Le Petit Shithouse's antics we, we don't really have um, much going on that way we don't have the guile and I think it's a general uh, sort of team thing I'm talking about here as well, not just individuals. But uh, mm -hmm. we, we're going to have to improve on that. But moving on to Spurs, if I may, because I want to um, just press on. Um, we've well, our two next opponents were playing each other in the later game yesterday. Uh, Burnley against Spurs. Spurs running out. I think it was one 0 winners in the end. Um, another good result for them and bouncing back from a more disappointing result against another Clarence and Blue side the previous game. Um, Ollie, I'll bring you in on this one. Um, first of all, what's your uh, what's your take on your game from yesterday, and how do you think the season's going so far for Spurs? Oh, I think when you play a team like Burnley, it's always going to be about desire. I think you know they're always going to fight for ball hundred percent, and I think you just have to draw that mentality into quite a few players. I think Spurs have always been, I'd say, seen as a soft touch, but say just like Brighton seen as a team who are there to play good football. Mm -hmm. I think you do need a bit of nastiness about you, a bit of, I won't say dirtiness, but 
be a bit more canny about the game. And uh, I think it's all about making sure you win your individual battles, which I thought we did quite well yesterday. Uh, Alderweireld took a nasty knock to the head. Uh, debatable if it's a the yellow card. I don't think it was a red. Uh, but I think he sort of soldiered on and played his game. And I think all you need is one chance like that to fall to Son, who's got a great scoring record this season, and we're through. And I think there was confidence in our defence that we could handle whatever Burnley threw at us. But, I mean, I wish we'd, we'd won by a few more, but it's Burnley away, and not many teams really come come there and sort of defeat them or sort of play them in their game. So, yeah, very happy with that. Yeah. And in yep. terms of the season, I think it's we have seen a, a change in Spurs. I think we've last season. I think I was disappointed we didn't integrate uh, Ndombele more. Uh, we're just left with Lascelles as only creative player, and I think we're playing a lot better football with him in the squad. Uh, players are motivated; they seem hungrier. I think that we bought really well, and we've added depth to the team, which we've not really had in previous seasons. It's allowed players such as, say, Aurier to push on, uh, Son to really step up his game. And positive, but for me, it'll be a case of hopefully top four for the season. Hmm. And in in terms of the game coming up this weekend, I mean, for us, Dunk is going to miss the second of his three games uh, due to suspension. Um, In terms of the match, where where does this game get won and lost? I mean, I guess you're going to say... Uh, Son and Kane linking up to destroy another team is probably the answer, isn't it, I guess? Well, I think up top, in fact, both teams can really threaten each other. Obviously, we all know about Son and Kane, but I think last season, Connolly and Mope destroyed us, in fact. And I think there is still a vulnerability about Spurs. Uh, Not so much in the middle of a park, but more, say, on the defenders. I think we don't really have that... We have that experience in Alderweireld. I think he's probably, I would say, past his best, but he's lacking a yard of pace. Dyer still good, but has a mistake in him. Sanchez, I think, is, whilst he's quick, I think lacks the strength of the other two, in fact. And really, those are our three first-team centre-backs. Uh, we have the youngster, Tanganga, who's been very good and always uh, impressed on, on them playing regardless of his full-back or centre-back, but he's not playing. Uh, so I think someone like Mope or Connolly to come in and they have clever movement. I think it's something that probably will hurt us. Mm. And just making sure we have someone in there like Lalana to, to feed the ball through. And I think it'll definitely hurt us. I can definitely see us scoring a few goals, but I could say it could be three, two to, to either team, I think on right. the weekend. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds very um, low scoring for the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd, I'd probably take that either way at the moment, <laughs> the way things are going. I'm not feeling very confident about the Spurs game, I have to say. I think we've had some, a mixed bag of results against you guys through the years, and in particular recently at home. But away, we haven't been able to get the results. Uh, if you've beaten us by the, uh, by the solitary goal, haven't you? Sort of 1-0 and 2-1 so far um, at the new stadium. And, um, well, we've just got to try and uh, get that first point if we can. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be able to. Well, we'll have to wait and find out. The game's on Sunday evening, isn't it, actually? So um, we'll we'll see what happens. If, in terms of the stadium itself, by the way, have you had a chance to get in there? Yourself, oh, yeah, so? I, I have. I went last of the season before, in fact, for the Everton game. Yeah. Uh, and it's absolutely glorious. I think what I do like about it is it's brought us to that level where 
we can actually compete now on, on that front. I think players come and see it and they're, they're mesmerized by how beautiful it is. It's just a nice match day experience as well. Uh, and I don't get to go to the Spurs much very often now living in South London, but I think if, if there's the opportunity to, to, to go again in the future, uh, mm. hopefully after, after sort of a, the situation stops, and I think I'd definitely be up for going soon. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll be lucky enough to get to both the games we've had so far there. And um, yeah, I concur with you. Brilliant stadium. Um, didn't spill my beer through the bottom of the glass, which a lot of people did. But uh, <laughs> apart from that, it's, it's, been, um, it's been a pretty good experience there. It's a shame fans won't be able to enjoy it for the time being. In the first um, time, I remember it being, being really impressed by the first game we've had there. And then we like basically played the most defensive football I've ever seen a team play. <laughs> <laughs> Barely left our own half. Um, Ollie, out of interest, what do you make of uh, Mourinho? What's your thoughts on? So I always thought that for Spurs, given sort of the team, once it was an aging team, it was a team where players were at their peak. Uh, we needed someone who could win or sort of take us to the next level instantly to really make the most out of it. I think there was Son and Kane in their late twenties and older were old, uh, sort of a bit older. Loris, uh, who's sort of Wrong side of 30, but still quite young for a goalkeeper. You're really someone, someone who can come in and say, hang on, boys, we can win the league here or we can win a, a cup here. It's not, obviously, I think a league is uh, quite far away from it right now, but we had to stick or twist and uh, Levy twisted. And I think he has really transformed us this season. My biggest change I've seen from him is he's decisive and he makes actions both on and off the pitch. Uh, probably one of my biggest faults about Poch, I loved him greatly. Uh, he didn't really like to dip his uh, sort of tone to the transfer market. Didn't think the team could be improved on. And again, say on that level in inside the game as well, uh, he rarely made substitutions which affected the game positively. I think Mourinho has been a master bringing players who can change us. And also bringing players on that can change us during the games. And I've liked how uh, good he is in that sort of reactive side of the game. Yeah. Well, stay um, tuned Sunday. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But sorry, Andy, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, um, Peter actually asked one of the questions that I was going to ask you. And, and thanks a lot for your generous assessment about Brighton. Um, like Russell, I'm not quite as optimistic uh, um, as you might, uh, uh, or at least you generously presented um, this up- upcoming fixture. But um, my question for you, Ollie, is um, there's a lot of talk about the openness towards the top of the Premier League, which we haven't had for um, two or three seasons now, or kind of three seasons with the first City and then the kind of Liverpool dominance of it. Um, uh, are, are you? Do you not even have a kind of inkling that Tottenham might do it? Um, um, pundits were talking about uh, a, a Tottenham uh, um, Premier League win when you were three 0 up against West Ham, um, for instance. Sorry to mention that. Um, I mean, I I think um, Kane and Son look amazing together, and if if Bell can click with them. Um, that looks great. I think Kleinberg's mm-hmm. a great signing. Um, I don't really know quite as much about Endon Bele, um, but um, he's 
uh, one Mourinho round and is coming good. Doherty looks like a, a good sign-in, but you know, as you said, it, it's in the centre of defence, really, um, where you don't look quite as strong, and you kind of need that uh, in order to win the Premier League. But I'm not really seeing now that Liverpool have lost Van Dijk, and I've just seen that Fabinho has gone off injured as well. Really? Uh, yeah, City, City seem to be have trouble, troubles in that area. So I can't, you know, at the moment, it doesn't look as though there is that kind of defensive solidity anywhere. Um, mm. And of course, Harry Redknapp thinks Spurs can win the title, he said a couple of weeks ago. So who knows? <laughs> I, think, I think, Ollie, Ollie, just, um, I think two, two things for me. The first thing would be that my fear is that um, Kane and Son will have you out of sight within half an hour and we'll be 3-0 down. And I get what you're saying about our forward line, but probably that was the best game that, that um, Brighton fans saw last season when we beat you um, at the Amex. And um, I'm not overly confident we're going to reproduce that. So even, just... even with your ageing centre-halves, to be honest. It was the worst game I saw last season as well. I think for me, it was that was the end of Pochettino, in fact. And mm. I think it's when I thought, oh, hang on, we need to replace them. But I think the, what the Premier League has shown, it's not necessarily the teams with the best ability that can win a game or get the result. I think a lot of it is about desire, about motivation. I think we've done that quite well at times, but as we saw the second half against West Ham, it's so easy just to just to collapse, really, and for teams to have a, sort of a, a mini crisis of confidence during the game. Uh, so just one goal in it and I can see sort of a Spurs player start getting nervous and I mean Son and Kane they've been great this season but I think when they've done really well and when they've been able to score the multitude of goals they have it's because teams have played a high line and I don't think Potter is as naive to play the high line against the, the players we have I think that Southampton game really and a sort of Man United game's really showed the rest of the league sort of what our main tactics are this season. Uh, but yeah, there are vulnerabilities in, in, in both teams. It just depends on, say, where the chances fall to, I suppose. It's, it's always going to be that extra bit of luck or the extra desire, which sort of gets the ball further towards the opposition goal. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we suppose we wait and see what sort of mental state both teams are come the weekend. Yeah, it'll be an interesting and hopefully entertaining game. It's another PPV game, isn't it? Um, guys, we're going to have to wrap up the show in a moment. Um, we're on a bit of a tight recording schedule as we speak on Tuesday evening here um, for reasons that may become apparent later. Um, but in the meantime, just a very quick news in brief for the football. I'll just steam through a couple of things here. Uh, Kim Roof's goal in the Europa League midweek from inside his own half. Bit of a corker, I thought. Absolutely brilliant. I don't know if anyone's got any uh, better suggestions for half halfway line goals scored. I mean, uh, Stevie Sidwell, under a blood-red sky in Bristol, was uh, one of the games the Kimar Roof puts that straight in the keeper's hand, they kick it upfield and they score, and he's a massive yeah. man. It did seem <laughs> a necessary thing to do in the last minute when you're 1-0 up, as much as it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Well, one bit of good news this week. My programme arrived early. Um, it's arrived late through the post for both of the previous home games, or the, all the other previous games. Um, this one, which was the later game on the Monday night, it arrived on Friday morning. So that was one bonus. On the downside, however, I do have uh, coming recollections coming to mind of Albion's eyesore tracksuits. I don't know if you saw this versus Palace. Absolutely horrendous things we walked out in for the warm-up. 
um, quite dreadful. Anyway, um, moving on, a couple of other bits, good bits of news. Hope Powell, uh, the women's uh, manager for Brighton, named FAWSL Manager of the Month for September. So congratulations to her. Excellent work. That's mainly due to the 0-0 at City and the win against Birmingham in the opening month of the season. Um, I've listened to the Palace podcast. That was a delight to listen to after the, uh, the previous matches. Uh, but we can't really be smiling now, can we, on that one? And the only other uh, things of note, James Tilly's been scoring at Grimsby, getting amongst the goals. In Lone Watch, uh, Ryan Longman scored our lone player at AFC Wimbledon, so well done to him. Um, the only other, th- other things to mention, Petr Cech back in the fold at Chelsea, interesting. <laughs> Could be a surprise uh, joker in the pack there. Um, and finally for me, Patrick Bamford, Patrick Hattrick. What's going on there? Is this a future England player? <laughs> Are you trying to wind me up? <laughs> Pete, Pete, I know you love everything about Leeds. <laughs> Um, fair play to him. He's been, I've got to say, the unexpected, um, the unexpected story this season in the Premier League. Absolutely better, though, isn't it? You know, they they, mm. they do really well all season. They beat teams they shouldn't beat, and then they bloody play Leeds and they go and get stuffed. <laughs> well, I, I, I think Leeds are a little bit like that as well. They they raise their game against the top clubs, and I suppose Villa was a top club when they played them, um, but. Uh, I have to say, um, uh, and Peter won't like this, on so many levels, Leeds are making me eat my words. Um, and Patrick Bamford may well be the starkest one there because it, he looks like a man transformed from what we've seen before. Was it one gone in 20 odd games in Premier League before or something ridiculously? Yeah. But he, he just keeps on running this intensity. Um, uh, and he looks, you know, strong, uh, physical player now, um, yeah. which he never did. Um, he used to kind of prance around the pitch. Um, yeah. So hats off yeah. to Nelson again. Yeah, fair play. Maybe, well, the, uh, maybe the solutions for Potter to get himself a dustbin to sit on. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's what's missing. <laughs> well, boys, we're going to have to wrap it up there. We're hoping to record another episode. More on that later on. If uh, if we do, it's got to be happening in a moment or two. So we'll leave this episode uh, there. We'll see what happens at the weekend in the in Spurs game. But um, my thanks go to the two Abbeys of the Not and Bravery varieties. It's my co-host Peter. Thanks, guys, to all of you, and thanks also to Ollie for joining us for the first time. Um, I wish you the very worst of luck, obviously, on Sunday, but good luck for the rest of the season thereafter. Um, thanks for joining us, and um, look after yourself in that sauna. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, thanks, Russ. Good to be Cheers. on, guys. Cheers, boys. So that brings the episode to an end. So, Peter, do you want to do the honours? Stand or fall. Up the Albion. Cheers. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.